Hello, I'm Lakita and welcome to the Co-Create Work podcast, where my partner Chloe and I talk about building and co-creating the future of work. We hope this podcast will be your weekly dose of support on all things work, leadership, and personal development as it relates to creating culture for you and your team. Because one of our principles is to be a guide, we look forward to providing space for our shared learning and exploration while trusting your personal experiences. After all, this is what co-creation is all about. So let's co-create together. Hello, co-creators. Welcome to the Co-Create Work podcast. And I have my wonderful co-host, Chloe, today. Hello, hello. (laughs) Uh, And we are super excited to spend some time today sharing uh, the books that we have most resonated with this year. Um, As you may imagine, we do a ton of research for the work. We read a ton of books for the work. A ton. Uh, Yes. And these are some of our standouts from this year. Chloe, I don't think we put a lot of parameters. We each went off and picked uh, the books that we wanted to share. Our key thing is that we have read... Uh, them this year. Yep. And um, so some of our oldies, but goodies, you know, we love you. You might not be in here. So it was really about like, what did we read this year? Uh, And then just also like books that we have really leveraged a lot, I think over the past year. Yes, that's exactly right. It was books I'd read this year and books that really impacted how I approached work with clients, how I looked at what we were doing. So hundred percent. All right. So we got our parameters. Um, We have just seen each other's list this morning. We don't have any crossovers, although we almost did. Almost. Uh, We'll highlight those uh, as we go. I think mostly I was thinking, Chloe's probably going to pick this book, which is which, Which you are right. On my list. <laughs> so we will get started. All right, Chloe, I'm going to let you go first and kick us off. Okay. So the first book that I chose is Thinking 101, How to Reason Better to Live Better by Woo Kyung Ahn. Uh, so she is a professor at Yale and teaches a class around this and decided at some point to write this book, which I know from listening to her on another podcast. Um, So I got a little bit of background and that's what made me interested in reading the book, which is part of why I'm so excited to do this episode because I get really excited when I hear about books and then I go and buy them and read them and it's great. Me too. So this book is all about cognitive biases and how we think and how that impacts how we show up in the world. Um, and I am a huge fan of being more aware of how we think and how that impacts what we do. You know, she walks through all of these different cognitive biases and I've started to incorporate some of the lessons into some of the trainings that we're doing and workshops yeah. we're doing with folks. And it is amazing the impact that just being aware of confirmation bias, which is one of the ones she talks about, makes such a difference in how we approach the work, any work, when it comes to like that big thought work, when we're making decisions so that you can slow down, right? A lot of this is just about slowing down. So if you're not familiar with cognitive biases, these are just the things, the shortcuts in our brain that help us function. Because if we didn't have them, 
we wouldn't be able to function. We would be so stuck all the time in like thinking mode, analyzing. We take in so much data constantly. We need these biases. So I want to lay that out first is like these biases and heuristics are really helpful. And if we're not aware of what's happening, they can really be really harmful. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Love it. So in this book, it sounds like she shares some tips, like it's an overview about what these biases are and then, uh, or is it biases, uh, what these are and then steps you can take to notice and interrupt them as needed. Exactly. So okay. she walks through them and a couple that I really appreciated and think are so helpful, confirmation bias, which I've already mentioned. And she walks through some of the tips, which is just look for disconfirming information, like as easy as that, right? Start to look for disconfirming information. Ask yourself, okay, what am I not thinking about? And if you think about the political climate we're in right now and the way algorithms work, knowing how to think about confirmation bias can totally change how you approach information you take in, what you're looking for, your desire to look for that disconfirming information. So that's one of my favorite ones. And I think that can make such an impact in your life so quickly. Um, Two other ones. One is the illusion of transparency. It's a cognitive bias that causes people to overestimate the degree to which their thoughts and emotions are apparent to others. And if you've ever been in relationship with someone, you know that this happens. Right. And I think this is like a huge one for leaders. Like, you know, we'll hear from teams time and time again. I feel unclear. Things feel like there is a lack of transparency and a leader will say, well, no, I'm sure I said that. Or, you know, we talked about this one time at one of our morning meetings and uh, this illusion of transparency is huge. And I think uh, any tips that she gave in that book uh, for this one will be really beneficial, uh, even on its own for leaders. Yes. There's just one more I want to share and it's negativity bias. And it's the fact that we view negative events as bigger or more likely than positive events. And I'm not giving a perfect definition there. But if we think about an abundance mindset and we think about kind of what's going on in the economy right now, we judge negative events to be more likely, more impactful than positive events. And so that one is just making sure that you're assessing things on equal accurately, yeah. yes, yeah, kind of on a level playing field, so to speak. Um, and that one's hugely impactful. And I did not do a great job of describing that. So what I will say is go buy this book and read it because it's so great. There's so many great tips. It's so impactful. And you will start to notice all of these things in life kind of all the time. And when it comes to leadership and how others are leading, it will lead you to ask better questions of folks. Yes. It will lead you to just think about things differently, um, which I think is always beneficial. Yeah, I love it. So it has me excited to check out the book as well. Uh, I know we already leveraged so many of the ideas and steps for our clients, but um, this sounds wonderful. Uh, And, you know, I can go on and on about negativity bias. So with that, we'll transition over to my book number one, which is Emergent Strategy by the amazing and wonderful Adrian Marie Brown. (laughs) We talk about her work and use her work often. Um, One thing that I have to name here is this is not the first time that I've read Emergent Strategy, but I definitely came back and read it again this year. 
And the book is one that is so uniquely written to me uh, because it has these very specific active steps that you can take um, to work with teams, to work with groups. It's rooted in both social activism practices as well as observations of nature and like how all of that comes together and how we work and how we're in community uh, together. And one thing that I really love about this book as well is it reminds me that there is often more that we can do to get into alignment with each other. So we see a lot, a bit of a throwaway culture, I feel like, around work and employees and partnerships, where at the first sign that something isn't working or we're out of alignment, people are like, hey, let's, you know, it just isn't going to work, right? Or uh, this, you know, employee isn't doing something, you know, people should just let them go. Like we see that post it right on uh, LinkedIn, on Instagram as key advice. And we just seen that happen at Twitter in a huge way, uh, extremely negative. And we are not putting humanity at the center of think about work at all. And so what I love about this book is it's very difficult for you to read it and look at the tips and tools and feel like you are still stuck, right? Like there are so many different ways that she highlights that you can uh, try to bring a group back together, come back around to a conversation with folks and work to get in alignment. And um, one of uh, our favorite quotes, which we use all the time. All the time. (laughs) Is on uh, page 191. And she said, emergent strategy is about shifting the way we see and feel the world and each other. If we begin to understand ourselves as ground for transformation, we can transform the world. And so it is so much about the individual practices, kind of mindsets that we go into work and partnership with. And then included in this wonderful book, there are all these steps and uh, tools that you can use uh, to get, you know, in community, as I think she would describe, and as we like to say as well, um, with other people. So it really is a gem. And I have also read this. um, And I love that connectivity that is in the book around like how we are all connected. And I think sometimes in leadership, we're thinking about how we impact like our organization, but really what you do as an organization impacts the world around you. Right. And, and it depends on, right. Like how big that impact is may vary, but the reality is that your impact on others then impacts their impact on others, right? So it's just this, in like the butterfly effect, so to speak. Totally. Uh, and one of our uh, clients, uh, Delightful Communications, Mel was on the show uh, a few weeks back. They have this analogy that like they are a pebble, right? And like the pebble lands and the waves go out and out and out into the world. And so that reminds me of exactly what you're saying there is like, each of our actions has such a huge impact in the world. And like every decision that we make can be life-changing. I don't say that for uh, folks to hear that and get stuck, right? That right, right. it is about intentionality as you go forward and make these decisions, right? And how you interact and communicate with others. The other thing that I really appreciated about this book is that it feels 
a little different than kind of your traditional leadership book, but it very much is a leadership book. It is. But it, it taps into like different parts of your brain and different ways of thinking and approaching things. I just think anytime we can get out of our normal ways of thinking about things, especially in a leadership sense and broaden how we approach work and bring in creativity, art, et cetera, it just makes us better. I agree. And I think quite a few books on our list have that theme, right? They have that as a practice um, that folks, you know, can take a different approach to how they think about leadership. In Emerging Strategy, you're going to find poems and you're going to find steps. You're going to find stories and you're going to find an outline of how to lead a group through decision making. Um, One of the things that I love is uh, she talks about a leader setting a vision, right? And she says that, If the vision is only clear to one person, right, then that's going to be a big problem, right? That that person ends up trying to drive everyone towards their vision or at a minimum control how everyone gets to the vision. Uh, And so she goes on to talk about in that section, like how critical trust is, especially if we're thinking more about decentralization and how we work, which I think will continue to be a big part of our work. So Adrian Marie Brown, we love you. It was a gem. <laughs> what's, so good. Your, what's your next book, Chloe? So the next book on my list is The Prepared Leader, Emerge from Any Crisis More Resilient from Before. And it was written by Erica H. James, Dean of the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, and Lynn Perry Wooten, president of Simmons University. This is definitely more of a traditional like leadership business book, right? It's called The Prepared Leader. The title should give that away. Um, But it goes through and talks about being a prepared leader in times of crisis and the fact that like crises are inevitable and we can prepare for them and be ready for them. I know you haven't read this one yet, Lakita, but I think you would appreciate it because of the mindset that they have, which is like a crisis can be a threat or it can be an opportunity, right? That mindset and the preparedness is everything. Um, So it's a very step-by-step book. They walk through um, the idea that you have those four bottom line P's. So that people, profit, planet, prepared leadership. They then go into the five phases of a crisis, kind of how a crisis unfolds, which I think is really interesting. Um, Early warning signal detection, preparation and prevention, damage containment, recovery, learning and reflection. And you know, I love a learning and reflection step on anything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't just move on, like actually take the time to learn and reflect. And they go through supporting skills for each step in that the phases of crisis, right? So there's supporting skills that you can put into place, um, which are really useful around making sense of what's going on, perspective taking, which is a way to get out of cognitive biases, going back to the first book um, that I talked about, influence, organizational agility, creativity, communicating effectively, risk-taking, promoting resilience, and then individual and systemic learning. So how much do we love individual and systemic learning? (laughs) You know what? What is really interesting is Uh, As we were getting this list together, this theme of individual and systemic learning comes back over and over again. So it's going to come in two more books that 
I have to share with the group, it is in this book as well. Uh, and I think that's such an important theme to for folks to come back to that individual, as we mentioned with emergent strategy, that individual change is needed in order to have an organizational or systems level change as well. So that is perfect. <laughs> yes. So they go on to talk about the importance of trust in a crisis, which if you think about kind of individuals and systems, like you need to trust on an individual basis, the folks that you're like in this with, you also need to trust the systems you've put in place, right? Like both of those things are super important when it comes to trust. Um, the other thing that I love is how important it is. And they give some great examples. And I'm just going to say, go read the book because it it's so useful. How important it is to have a diversity of inputs and perspectives. And this goes a little bit back to like, okay, when you have a diversity of perspectives and inputs that can help with cognitive biases, right? So going back to that last book, this is another way to, you know, check your confirmation bias. If you get other people, other folks in there, um, it can really help you when it comes to decision-making. I loved your point about um, the diversity of perspectives. And I think we want to make a listener note too, that like in order for you to have a diversity of perspectives and inputs, you need to have actual diversity of race, gender, ethnicity, social, economic, right? Like you, you have to have uh, diversity in those areas as well. Yes. Um, so that diversity of perspectives helps you and you have to have those inputs there. You have to seek it and it helps with any of those cognitive biases that can get in the way of leading through a crisis. Right. And the other thing that just came back to me is humility, the level of humility you need as a leader to get those inputs, to be willing to listen to others, to, um, you know, admit that maybe you didn't make the best decision in certain situations, that humility is critical. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, this book is definitely one that folks should prioritize as we are in a state of going through crisis after crisis. Uh, And that's not (laughs) to our first book to say there's a negativity bias. It's like like what our actual experience is right now. Uh, And I think in the description and how we recently um, led leaders through a workshop that use some, you know, that we talk about some of these points is that preparation is key. And so you always want to be uh, prepared, as, as the title suggests, for what might be coming so that you can be as intentional as possible. Perfect. Love it. All right. So up next for me is Rest is Resistance by Tricia Hersey. And this book came out, I believe, in October. So later in the year. Uh, and I have to say it blew me away. Like it's a it's a pretty short book. Again, it's written in an atypical way in the sense of uh, it doesn't feel like it's like just like standard chapters. It is, uh, the book has a couple of different parts. Um, There is a lot, and she speaks to this in the book, that there is a lot of repetition because I believe she's trying to help us to have a really somatic response and like deeply understand the words. So I think she's known as the Nat Bishop. Uh, She had a wonderful write-up in the New York Times. You should go read that as well. Uh, But you definitely can feel that sense of, 
um, some love and preaching happening within that book. Uh, she talks, one of my favorite parts is she talks about some steps that you can take for rest, which is to detox, daily daydreaming. Uh, there is no quick fix except that you have been brainwashed, which highlights for you that this book is different. (laughs) It's holding you accountable. Slow down that you are enough now. No resting, that rest isn't a tool for more, uh, for being more productive. And that is one that challenges the current narrative at every single turn. I mean, it Um, challenges me. Totally. Um, Listen more and create systems of community care. I think I missed one in there. But as you can see, just those steps on their own following those can have such a huge impact to your individual energy level and how you lead and run an organization. Uh, I love that you said, Chloe, like it brought up some resistance for me because I I found that even in reading the book, there are times when I definitely felt resistant. Uh, And that is because I'm a part of, right, this big machine that's like, hey, in order for you to be valuable, you have to be productive and you have to be productive in a certain way. So if you are resting, it's for some additional benefit that is back to society. Uh, and so it is a beautiful book. I think um, every leader should read it, feel challenged by it and push through uh, and um, encourage you to take some of the practices and implement them not only in your practices, but within your organization as well. I love it. And I need to read it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, which I think is a perfect lead in to my next book, which is Essentialism, uh, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. And this book is really about helping people achieve the disciplined pursuit of less. So what that means is really getting down to like, what is your essential work? Which if we think about um, the book you just talked about, right? If we can get down to our essential work, we can get a lot of that productivity stuff off our plates, um, which is one way of looking at it. But effectively essentialism isn't one more thing. It's a different way of doing things. So it's discipline that you apply constantly to help you get down to like your essential work, what you're best at. This is very much a traditional business leadership book. So if we think about it in that way, it's like outsourcing things that maybe aren't your strongest things. I find myself constantly, not just myself checking in, but also with clients having the conversation that is, yes, I know you can do this, but should you be the one that is doing this, whatever this is, right? It's that question um, that you need to constantly ask yourself, what is it that's essential about what you're doing? So it's challenging that core assumption of we can have it all and I have to do everything and replacing it with the pursuit of the right thing in the right way at the right time. Yes. So essentialism is one of our books that we send the most. I think uh, I read it at the beginning of 2022. And then we were just like Oprah mode, like you get a book, you get a book. book. (laughs) 
it, it is one that we send out all the time. Uh, and folks, it has such a huge impact and just so many good things in there. Um, I love the discussion around like, um, what are the things that I choose to uh, do versus, you know, um, I have to do this or I have to do everything. What am I making a choice about? Uh, and then the other refrain I think he uses in the book is I can do anything, but not everything. Yes. Uh, and it it just is so many good pieces in there for leaders to take. And again, implement as personal practice and implement as organizational practice. I think, you know, what we have uh, gone over so far, even in our discussion is the future is really about uh, being intentional, right? It is really about pacing, thinking different and intentionality and pushing back on some of the previous narratives around uh, only speed is important or we have to be on 24 seven in that we are actually arguing. And I think so many of these authors are arguing as well that we are going to be more effective as a result, and effectiveness means rest, groundedness, doing what's essential, uh, not just productivity for the sake of productivity, which I love. Yes. And effectiveness and more fulfilled, I think yes. is also key. Um, the other thing that came to mind as you were talking is this book really teaches a lot about setting boundaries, both as an individual, but also as an organization, right? So it's that individual and systemic boundary setting based on what's essential, like the essential work you're doing. Beautiful. All right. So my next two books are super cool. Uh, They didn't end up on the list because of this, but it's super cool. We actually know both of these authors personally, which is awesome. Uh, So uh, my next book is Inclusion on Purpose by the wonderful Ruchika Tolshian. And this book, uh, to to your point earlier, is traditionally written. Uh, But I love this book. I love the way it's laid out as well, because it brings in individual stories at every turn for the points that she is making in the book. And that is about intentionality and how in the work that you need to do to make sure that you have inclusive practices in your organization. Um, And uh, she walks through like a step-by-step process of how to create uh, belonging and connection at work. This is another book that highlights their individual behaviors and practices. That's the first section of the book. And the second section of the book uh, is about organizational behaviors and practices. Um, so it has that two sections, individuals, behaviors and practice, individual behaviors and practices, and then organizational behaviors and practices. One of my favorite chapters is chapter two, and it's on building an inclusive mindset. You kind of did some foreshadowing, Chloe, when you highlighted that, like, I love a mindset and a reframe conversation. That's kind of my jam. Uh, but yep. in uh, chapter two, specifically, she talks talks you through how to develop an inclusion mindset. And she outlines a framework uh, called bridge. Uh, And that bridge framework is um, to be uncomfortable, two, to reflect on what you don't know, back to reflection, 
Three, to invite feedback. Four, that defensiveness doesn't help. Five, to grow from your mistakes. And six, to expect that change takes time. And then she walks you through how to implement all of the steps of that bridge framework. And uh, it is so wonderful. So back to something you said uh, earlier, Chloe, we can't tell you all the goodies in the book. Go get the book. Yeah, <laughs> We think it has just, it'll have a huge impact. And one of the things that we love a lot because we love to work in systems is a step-by-step process on how to get this done. <laughs> so much. We love those step-by-steps. Um, which leads to my last book, which is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And this book may seem a little out there in terms of like books we loved about leadership or, you know, as we're thinking about the books we use to work with folks, but going exactly to what you were just talking about as far as the bridge and defensiveness doesn't help. This book is all about trauma and how trauma impacts us and the ways in which we can um, get support, help different types of interventions for trauma. And the reason this is so critical to me is I see, and I'm not a trained psychologist, therapist, psychiatrist, any of those things, but I see resistance pop up all the time in our work with clients. And a lot of that resistance comes from defense mechanisms that we've developed. And those defense mechanisms have been things that have helped us survive whatever trauma, whether big T trauma, little T traumas we've experienced in our lives. And that gets in the way of the work we want to do and keeps us on high alert, fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode. We get, we can get stuck. And so this book was so useful in for me and learning and understanding kind of how our body responds to things, reacts to things, those neural networks that are created and how to start to undo some of that, how to recover from some of that trauma that we've experienced, whether again, it's big T trauma or little T trauma. And what I mean by that is, you know, you think about really big traumatic events, a parent dying at a young age or little traumas, a teacher calling you out in front of a class when you're in fourth grade, right? Like depending on how that impacts you, there's trauma that's there. And that then teaches us different ways to defend ourselves and keep ourselves safe. And this book helps walk through all of that, which I think if we think about the work, that's that individual work that puts us in the right place to do the systems work. Yeah. And I think that this is such an important book uh, one note I think we would make here as well is that is a very heavy book. It is heavy. Uh, and uh, folks want to be prepared and make sure they have the support that they need when they go uh, to read this book. And we really center in our work, this understanding around we are human beings that come to work, right? Like there was a huge push and movement to take humanity out of work you know, and that has lasted for decades and decades. And what we have to understand is that when you get an email response from someone that feels right off base, and then you have a physical response to that, this person may be showing up with their trauma. You may be responding with things from your trauma, or you might just be negatively impacted by, you know, their trauma in the way that they're showing up. And 
it is so important for us to do this self-work and self-exploration. It doesn't have to be by this book, but that we, you know, say all the time, think about a coach, think about therapy, think about somatic work, whatever it is you need to do, because there is emotional labor to being a leader. And in order to do that effectively, you really need to have a personal practice. And I think this book is an opportunity for folks who are interested to explore that and learn how they can continue um, to move forward and use some of the tools there. Yes. And I love the call out. I mean, it's in the title, the body keeps the score and I didn't highlight this. So thank you for bringing that up is how much we can tell from what's going on in our bodies. And to that point around humanity was intended to be left out of the workplace for so long. And now we're coming back to it, which is great. Um, But also we all have been taught to like shove our feelings down, right? emotions don't have a place at work. Well, we're nothing if not emotional, right? And it's that information. And if we are more comfortable being aware of what's going on in our bodies and addressing it and taking care of ourselves, we get to show up totally differently. Agree. Yeah, totally. Uh, I love it. Um, And uh, I think that will take us to our next book. And I have... uh, The next book is, again, someone that we know personally, uh, and that is She Builds. It just kind of made the list. It came out just a few weeks ago, and I kind of went through it so quickly. It's by the wonderful Jada Selner. Uh, A note here that Jada was uh, my personal very first business coach uh, when launching Co-Create Work. And um, I love the the title here, the Anti-Hustle Guide to Grow Your Business and Nourish Your Life. And that is a big part of how she approaches work overall. And I have to say this book is like an end-to-end step-by-step process for building your business with a slower pace. And one thing that I know Jada mentions a lot is with love, right? That that is a big center. This book will feel like a big hug to you and a big relief, but with actionable specific steps that you take, um, it is definitely more of a guide. Two things um, that I love and want to highlight from the book that I think shows um, how she brings these two elements together around um, leading with love and structure is one, there's a self-care menu in there uh, that has a list of specific self-care items uh, that you can do, which is just a great tool and a resource for folks to grab and uh, use and implement. And then uh, she talks about the retrospective, which we do in our business. We actually have a little shout out in the book uh, as co-create work, where it is something that we introduce and we walk our clients through all the time as a way to do kind of a rapid assessment in their business. Uh, And the retrospective just ask three questions, what's working, where are we stuck and what might we do differently? Um, It's a tool that we uh, that was, you know, precedes co-create work, but it's one that is central to us. And so those two examples just highlight that you're going to get both uh, in this book. You're going to get very amazing practices about leading with love, leading with intention, 
um, taking specific steps to slow down in building a business. That doesn't mean that this business won't be impactful. She shares a lot of stories in there. uh, And most of the the entrepreneurs in there are multi-million dollar entrepreneurs. So this pacing uh, and leading with love actually helps to make your business more successful and sustainable. It doesn't take away from that. Uh, But there are a ton of systems level um, uh, supports and resources in there as well. And I have not read this one yet. Uh, and it did just come out. I'm going to give myself a little little grace. grace. (laughs) Um, but I love that it's called she builds and is like focused in that idea, right? Like you look at it and you can see the title and you know, a, it's coming from a female perspective. I'm assuming I'm checking yes. with mm-hmm. you. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's for women. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you I just, can use the book yes. for sure, but yeah. Which I just really appreciate because so much of what's out there comes from. Doesn't center women. Yeah. Comes yeah. from the male perspective. Uh, and I think um, we uh, have talked a lot about, right? Like where do we find the resources that bring in a different um resources, different experiences, folks from different backgrounds. And I think this book list definitely highlights that. Um, And so we walk the talk, but um, it's just a wonderful book for anyone. Perfect. I have maxed out my list. You've got one more, Lakita. I have one more just to kind of bring us home. It reminds me of the book selection that you did for uh, The Body Keeps the Score. I actually um, wanted to list What Doesn't Kill You. Um, This uh, is A Life with Chronic Illness and Lessons from a Body in Revolt by Tessa Miller. Um, As many of our listeners know, um, I have multiple sclerosis. So I have a chronic illness that I'm managing uh, and that was diagnosed in 2022. Uh, But this book, uh, it walks us through systems level kind of uh, overview on chronic illness and systems level changes. But now that I'm thinking about it, as I talk through it, Chloe, she also lists so many individual practices, like how do you kind of prepare yourself for a medical appointment and what do you take and and write the resilience that she went through. So she weaves in her story um, as well as a ton of statistics and data about how many people are impacted by chronic illness, specifically women. She uh, knows the statistics around uh, Black women in particular with autoimmune disease and other chronic illness. Uh, And it's just a wonderful book. And she has a section that's just specifically about work. uh, And she highlights some of her experiences when managing a chronic illness at work. So I think that um, when we are able to put ourselves in someone else's perspective, we have a ton of growth and it's really a gift for us. So I would encourage folks, um, our, our listeners, even if you don't manage a chronic illness, to read this book because it really is a lesson in seeing the perspective of others. And it talks about some very specific like examples and ways you can be thinking about work and how we think about illness at work. Uh, she highlights it was written, I think, around uh, within the time frame of COVID-19. So she has a lot of great points there. And yeah, it's just great. (laughs) 
Well, and as you were talking through it, I also need to read that one. I was thinking, oh, this comes full circle back to where I started with the books, which is having more perspectives gets us out of those cognitive biases so that we can make more intentional decisions and choices about how we interact, how we lead, et cetera. And so not just that the information in the book is useful, I think, but also having that perspective and and seeing what that looks like for someone so valuable always always um and i think all of our books like on this list are real lessons in understanding and taking a different perspective and from these you're going to get systems level changes you can implement you're going to get specific steps you're going to get specific practices uh, and you are in general going to be a much more knowledgeable uh, and equipped leader in 2023 because we're always growing right and we are always continuing so if you haven't checked out some of these books, we highly, highly recommend them. As we mentioned, we have read between the two of us, all of them, some we have both read. uh, And I think we'll be picking them up uh, if we haven't uh, in the coming days and weeks. Yes. And you'll be able to find all these books listed with links to where you can find them on in our show notes. So we encourage you to kind of prepare one of the things that we talk about and we'll be talking about, I think in our final episode of the year coming up is your transition plan. So reflection over the past year, which Chloe is team reflection and then planning for the year ahead, which I love that transition time and plans ahead. So take a look at these books. They'll be in our show notes uh, and go ahead and start to Think about your personal development plan for 2023. And if you have already read some of these or you're excited or you have thoughts or feedback about the books, please email us at podcast at cocreatework.com. And it was such a pleasure, Chloe, today. Thank you for uh, all of your knowledge and everything that you're doing um, with Uh, the books and everything that you highlighted. I'm super excited to pick some of these up. And for our crew, as always to our listeners, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for tuning in. For any resources referenced during today's episode, you can find that information in our show notes at cocreatework.com slash podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram at cocreatework. If you have any questions about this week's episode or transforming the future of work, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at cocreatework.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Co-Create Work podcast on your favorite platform.